If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks can do anything, play anything, can do drama, comedy, characters. I was initially inspired by this book years ago, but by the time I sat down to write it, we were living through the Trump era in the United States. Would I want to do it again right now? No. I'm just so eager to go eat some chopped chicken liver. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet Time Magazine senior writer Jeffrey Kluger, author and creative writing teacher Carolina de Robertis, and poet Sharon Olds. These writers have looked to both outward events and inward creativity to find ideas and inspiration for their work. Tune in to hear Jeffrey Kluger on bringing his novel to fruition from its premise, Carolina de Robertis on drawing inspiration from the life of Uruguayan President José Mujica, and Sharon Olds on writing poetry from personal experience. Enjoy. Hi, this is Jeffrey Kluger, author of Holdout. I wrote my book simply because the premise, an astronaut who refuses to come home from the International Space Station, occurred to me, and I wondered what I could do with that idea. The astronauts I've gotten to know over the years who have been aboard the station generally enjoy their time there and would prefer to be assigned to longer missions rather than shorter ones. In my experience, then, I thought, what would happen if one of them simply refused to come home? That became the central question in the book, and the next thing I had to do was decide what the astronaut's reason was for staying aloft. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be humbling. I fancy myself as being reasonably articulate and reasonably able to express myself, but there are people who do this work for a living, and they do it far better than I did. I'm sure the professionals at the microphones would have winced at some of the errors I made and the numbers of times I had to go back and repeat phrases and repeat entire passages. It made me realize how remarkable the career of somebody who does voiceover work for a living really is. I realized in the course of reading this book, I had trouble pronouncing the word Guaranian, which is, of course, based on the Guarani tribe, of which one of the key characters is a member. It was easy over the year of writing the book to spell out the word, but I had never tried pronouncing it aloud. Once I did, under the pressure of a recording and in front of a microphone, I realized it's a far more tongue-tying word than I thought it would be. If there's one thing I'm proudest of or most excited about in recording this, it's that listeners will get to hear the story of this book. Obviously, I'm fond of the story. I'm gratified by the story. I wouldn't have written it if I didn't feel that it was an important story to tell. I'm hoping that people who listen to it will feel the same way. And I'm proud that they get to hear it in my voice, because even though it's not the professional voice of a professional reader, it's the voice of the person who invented the tale. And I hope I'm able to bring something special to it because of that. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Tom Hanks. 
And that's simply because Tom Hanks can do anything, can play anything, can do drama, can do comedy, can do characters. If there's one person who could do justice to this story more than anyone else, I think it would be Mr. Hanks. I live in New York City, so I don't have a car and rarely drive. But if I did, my favorite place to listen to audiobooks, I think, would be in the car. It's an environment in which one needs entertaining, one needs to be able to relax, and one needs to fill the hours in a long drive or in a long commute. And I think an audiobook is the perfect way to pass that time in a way that's rewarding and not just anesthetizing. And now, please listen to a clip from my audiobook. It was a few hours past sundown when Sonia Peanut waded into the jungle and made her way to the clearing about 300 yards from the camp she shared with more than 40 other people from multiple other countries. Most of them knew the reason she was venturing out tonight, and that reason was to set a fire. Fires were hardly welcome in any part of this particular jungle, but hers would be small and controlled, and to her way of thinking, poignant and important. And she had all that she needed to light it readily at hand. There was paper in the clearing and kindling in the clearing, and she would light them first, then feed the blaze logs that would burn brightly and beautifully. Hi, this is Carolina de Robertis, author of The President and the Frog. The President and the Frog is about a former president of an unnamed Latin American country who recalls his days as a political prisoner under a dictatorship and the wild experience he had conversing with a frog that gave him hope against the odds to continue with life. I wrote my book because I was incredibly inspired by real-life former president of Uruguay, José Mujica, who is a progressive beacon of hope and was a political prisoner back in the dictatorship years. And he once said in an interview that he in part survived brutal solitary confinement by talking to a frog. I was inspired to explore what those conversations might be like and draw on that to create a love letter to any of us who have ever felt despair. I was initially inspired by this book years ago and had it in the dreaming phase for a long time. But by the time I sat down to write it, we were living through the Trump era in the United States. And I really wanted to create a meditation on hope and possibility for navigating difficult times and for navigating contexts where there's hostility against who we are for so many of us and what it means to make a life where we can belong and be free. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be profound. I find it to be such an intriguing challenge uh, and meditation to be able to give voice to the words long after the editing process is closed. It's really exciting to be able to bring the book out loud to listeners and readers. It's an honor. I realized I had trouble pronouncing the word hubris, 
which is something I've read for a long time, but had never really gotten the knack for saying out loud. And that's actually true for a fair number of words for me because I grew up multilingual and as an immigrant and speaking Spanish in the home. So a lot of these Latinate words, I have this kind of Spanishized underground layer in my brain with that I don't always even realize is making me mispronounce in English. So it's lovely to figure that out in the recording process. I'm excited that listeners will be able to hear this narrative in the rhythm that I hear in my own mind, because I write my sentences with a sense of music and a beat, and the rhythmic possibility of language is something that I think is very natural and part of all of us. And when I have the chance to narrate my own audiobook, it's really wonderful for me to be able to translate the rhythm that I hear in the sentences into sound for folks and, and hope that that resonates for people. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Lin-Manuel Miranda. He's someone whose voice I've listened to a great deal in Hamilton, and I have kids, so in the Moana soundtrack as well, for sure. And I think he has a wonderful sense of rhythm and pathos and deep emotion and humor and wit as well. So I would love to hear how he would render that. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was probably America is Not the Heart by Elaine Castillo, which is a stunning novel of a um, Filipino immigrant family in California, here in the Bay Area where I also live. And it's just beautifully narrated. The characters' voices are so alive, all done by one narrator. And also the characters speak to each other in English and Tagalog and Ilo Locano and Pangasinan, which are all Filipino languages. And it's just gorgeous to hear all of that brought into sound. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks is in my car on my commute when I'm driving because I teach at San Francisco State University, which is across the bridge from where I live in Oakland. So I have lots of fond memories of crossing the bridge and hearing beautiful books entering my mind. I'm so glad and grateful that we have audiobooks to increase the opportunities that we have to read, as reading is one of my absolute favorite things. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. Once upon a time, in a near-forgotten country, on a certain mid-November afternoon, an old man sat at his kitchen table and listened for the world beyond. No cars, not yet, only a breeze rattling the window pane and the song of a single stubborn thrush. The reporters would be here any moment with their arms full of equipment and their heads full of questions, looking the way reporters usually did in the old man's house, amazed, disoriented, as if they had just landed in some unmapped corner of the planet. As if it were some miracle, him in a ramshackle home, as if, and this was the part that tickled him most, as if he were a normal man. Hi, this is Sharon Olds. I wrote Stag Sleep, and I've just had the pleasure of recording it. It's so interesting to think of why 
I wrote it. I write poems all the time, and most of them don't come out well enough that I want to share them with anyone else. But a number of these poems that I was certainly driven and inspired by my life to write and by the pleasure of rhyme and meter, which give us pleasure even when our topic is challenging. Yeah, I think I wrote this book perhaps trying to make something of some value, though it's hard for a poet to judge that for herself, and really as a gift. Now that I've just read it out loud, straight through, there's a lot of love and anger. It's kind of a healthy book, I think. (laughs) I've never read it straight through before, out loud or any other way. I'm still very devoted to writing with my ballpoint pen and a wide-ruled lined notebook. You see, that's how far back I am because I was lucky enough to find a method that works for me. And the new methods, I'm very happy that they work for so many people. If I had to describe, right, in one word, well, an honor and a pleasure, and to work with you, Rick, and you, Sean, I'm honored, I'm grateful, yeah. Would I want to do it again right now? No. I'm just so eager to go eat some chopped chicken liver. Well, I learned how to pronounce cash, C-A-C-H-E. I learned how to pronounce plagal. Is that right? Plagal? Yeah, plagal. I'm kind of startled how accurate the narrative seems to me. I'm not surprised that it's both loving and annoyed. And of course, it's now many years later, and much happiness has occurred for all of us, I trust, as well as, of course, in the last year, much suffering. So I think of any of those of you who lost family and friends in the pandemic, and I am carrying you in my heart. I like to hear a poet reading their own work because it's their voice, as well as their words. I'm still listening to 33 records, but that makes me even more grateful to be drawn by the audio book folk into the world that can be listened to anywhere where you are. There will follow now a clip from my audio book. While he told me, I looked from small thing to small thing in our room, the face of the bedside clock, the sepia postcard of a woman bending down to a lily. Later, when we took off our clothes, I saw his deep navel and the cindery lichen skin between the male breasts, And from outside the shower curtain's terrible membrane, I called out something like flirting to him, and he smiled. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com 
slash next listen.